Hi, I'm Scott Martin from Bonsai Matsu, and this is the Bonsai Stuff Podcast. Thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in. As always, I uh, just got back from a lovely 10k walk around my local area. It's beautiful, sun shining, birds are chirping. Middle of the day, and I got to see two tawny frogmouths. I mean, if you don't know what they are, you should um, you should Google it. Tawny, T A W N Y frogmouth. They're very similar to an owl, but they're not an owl, and they've got these uh, quite large beaks. But um, got to see two of them in daylight, which is amazing. It's a, it's a very unusual event, so feeling very lucky. So I thought, perfect, get home, all inspired, get into the podcast, make another recording. So thanks, uh, thanks for that. Thanks, nature, kicking um, kicking me into gear and, and getting me going because it's uh, yeah, I feel privileged. It's it's lovely when things like that happen. And the only reason I saw them was because as I was walking through, I was studying a beautiful uh, Australian native, a, a eucalypt, and looking at its structure and whatever else down along the branches, there you are, lo and behold. And these things camouflage themselves in and when they, uh, when I walk closer to, to see them, they actually, one of them uh, goes very, very straight and straightens his head and his neck out. So he actually looked like it was just a branch on the tree. So um, if I hadn't been looking up, if I'd been looking down at my feet or my, my stupid phone, then uh, there's no way I would have uh, would have got that surprise. So anyway, that's uh, that's the inspiration for this this podcast. So this podcast, I'm going to talk um, a little bit about my uh, my second trip to Japan to Kokain in Osaka, where I studied um, over there for a couple of weeks, which was really good, really really enjoyable. So I want to um, just spill some dirt on that one, and um, and also just some other things that came across uh, my mind during the week as I've been working a lot on junipers, doing a lot of. Um, restyling and pruning back and I want to uh, just go through my strategy and and what I do with them when I work on them and just um, just the thought process when I was going through designing and, and pruning branches so that's all to come so thanks for thanks for coming on board and hopefully you'll, um, you'll stick around right to the end and this will be one of those podcasts where you go oh that was enjoyable so thanks very much. Part of what I love about traveling is is just that is the traveling process, you know. So you you go to foreign places and you make your way around, and you think there's no way, you know, having never been to a place before, that you'll ever make it, and it's uh, it's quite daunting, I suppose, until you throw yourself in there and go, yeah, whatever, I'll be right, I'm on it. So the um, the trip to Osaka was back in uh, 2013, so um, just just under 10 years ago, to be honest. From where this uh, podcast is recorded, and um, had to make a lot of a lot of transfers. So, Melbourne, Victoria is where I'm based in Australia. I flew to the Gold Coast, a couple of states away, then uh, swapped planes there to international to get a plane to Osaka, get to Osaka, Kansai Airport, then get a train to Osaka City, then had to get another local train to Ishibashi Station, which is near ish to where um, Kokoen, the nursery in Osaka is. So traveling by myself, made it all the way there, and I've made a note that it was um, over 12 hours just in pure travel. That's not including all the downtime in between. So I, I do remember when I got there, it was, um, it was after 11 o'clock at night by the time I got to the final destination. And what was um, what I love about, uh, about Bonsai and about Japan is that um, I was met at the station by, uh, by a couple of the apprentices that were at Kokun at the, at the time. 
a fellow by the name of David and Marcusan, who um, who were both uh, both both working there. So they met me at the station and walked me to the apartment, which is just around the corner. And it was um, it was stinking hot. Like July was just so hot and humid. I remember just um, just sweat peeling off me, carrying um, you know having left Melbourne in in winter and uh, and arrived there in a hot, humid uh, summer. Being um, being completely overwhelmed by it, but it was um, it was great. And then, very first thing the next morning, uh, I was met at my apartment again and shown that um, there's a method of transport to get to the nursery. So when I was at ITN, I'd get picked up wherever I stayed. If I you know first trip, I stayed with the family. After those trips, I, I stayed in different hotels and that sort of thing. So I'd always get picked up in a car. Whereas um, for this trip, it was my method of transport was to ride a bike, which was very, very cool, um, going through all the back streets and whatever. And again, I got shown um, shown how to ride to the nursery, which is about 10 minutes away, so not too far, but but a decent, decent, decent way. And um, I remember riding there thinking, there is, there's no way I'm going to remember this. There's no, no way that I will remember that turn left here, turn right there, cross that road, watch out for the river, get back, park your bike, remember where you parked it because there's only about Four million bikes in that one car bike, the car park for the bikes, and and to then make it back to your hotel. But you know that's what traveling is. Traveling is the experience, and you absorb it, and you you sort of amaze yourself every now and then as to what you can what you can do. So so yeah. So the first day, um, just uh, yeah, it was really just getting settled in. And I remember Bjorn was there. Bjorn Bjornholm was um, is the chief uh, apprentice there at the time. And I think, in fact, I think he might have even finished by that stage. But he was working there as a as a professional. And um, Mr. Fujikawa, whose nursery it was, uh, they were away, so it was just myself and Marcusan in the in the nursery. And I remember it was um, it was very different to Ichien in that uh, I got given a juniper whip, so just a very thin juniper, and got sort of put down and onto a to a bench and said, "Right, go." Do something, make 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 this something. So it was a bit more than just a whip. It had a bit of foliage on it and branches and stuff like that. So, so the first, I suppose, assessment was to actually work out what uh, what what my skill set was and where I was at with things before they, which I which I really liked. I thought it was a good way to to do um to be assessed to work out you know your wiring technique and to work out what your vision was with the tree and how you bent you know, move branches and, and all that sort of stuff and what you could come up with as a design as well. And so um, that, that was sort of the first day and, and you know, it was more um, gets to about five o'clock, so it was like a nine to five type scenario there um, and knock off at five and get on the bike and Mark Sand um, took me back, showed me the way again. I went, yep, cool, I know where to go. I turn here, I turn there and, you know, bang, there you go. Went and worked out my own dinner and... Sweated away in this uh, this tiny little apartment because it was so hot and humid. And then next day, it was um, I was into it with uh, you know talking about you know an assessment of the tree and with uh, Mr. Fujikawa and Bjorn and 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 working out sort of where I was at. And then we talked about you know what I wanted to 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 learn and to do. And and that was where I suppose the first I had the first real inkling of of flow in design really getting. Um, Put on the table as a as a key focus when you're designing bonsai, 
And and it was, you know, it was, for me it was another one of these eye-opening moments where I went, no, that's so cool. And then, you know, you walk through the nursery and they talk about, you know, apex here and flow and positioning of trunk and branches and, you know, counterbalancing and all that stuff. And then when you walk through the nursery and you, you just, I randomly picked a tree and went, yep, I love the look of that one. All right, now stop and look at it. Why do you love it? And and with specific flow and movement in mind, I'd look at it and go, oh, that's why I like it, you know, because this is, you know, just what we talked about. I could actually physically see it in in play and that's how the design had been done. And and so I know that when I got my, my next next tree to, to work on, that was definitely something that that I wanted to to focus on as well was was that, you know, is there's a lot more in the design side of things. So I'd learnt a lot of horticultural stuff at uh, or, or information at, at ITN and and Cochrane was was heading down the path of um, the design side of things coming in, into play, which was as I said, it was it was very cool. So um, so you got to um, got to work through through Shimpaku, got a second one, a, a more advanced tree to work on as well, and and you know, also got into the repotting process, which was something that I'd never done in the summer period because it's not something that we do here, but it was, and we talked about aftercare and the availability for the shimpaku to, or the, the type of junipers that we're working on to be able to be repotted in, in that part of Japan because of the humidity and, and aftercare and all that stuff. So there was a lot of horticultural stuff that got thrown into it, but it was more um, around the the, the styling and design side that I felt that this trip was going to take a, 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 an, a an approach from the very very start of the of the trip, and you know designing a tree so when you took a photo of it and having it positioned was was really important to make it look really really nice. So the the nursery itself, I got the feeling was was focusing on um, the the. The, the look of the bonsai as opposed to the the progression of the bonsai, which, as I, as I said, was a very, very different approach to what I'd been involved with before, whereas, you know, one IGM was, was a nursery that built things based on, you know, a 10-year plan to, okay, this little bud will then grow and it will become a branch and then that branch will be wide and bent and then we'll grow secondary branches and then this is what will happen with that tree somewhere down the track and whether it's, you know, this generation that does it or the next generation, sooner or later that's going to happen. So I found that that was one approach but then the second approach with with uh, in Osaka, Kokuen, was we work with what we've got and we make it beautiful. We make it a piece of artwork, and and it's it's as close to finish now as what it possibly can be. So, it was um, you know it was different different type of tree that was sourced for the nursery, and it was definitely a different clientele that were working with them as well. And it was a an approach to be a high end piece of artwork as opposed to a, a growing growing sort of nursery, which was which was really interesting. Also got into a lot of horticultural stuff in regards to you know, defoliation. I learned a lot about defoliation while I was there being in the summer month. Um, also worked out that uh, I got given one one uh, small uh, squat, uh, about you know under 30 centimetres trident maple with defoliation process. It had to have pruning done on the branches, had to have lightening of the thicker thicker branches, it had to be wide and shaped. And there was one little, one little bud on it, one little branch that – I got told by Mr. Fujikawa, very important. That's a very important branch. So it's like, okay, cool. 
All right, start the defoliation, I can work through that. Yep, start the pruning process. Yep, no problems. All right, now start the wiring process. Start making this thing look nice. Yep, okay, I think I'm ready. Oh, crap, where's that branch gone? And I look down and look at it and think, oh, I've knocked it off. In all my my haste and my my clumsiness, for want of a better word, to design this and style this tree, I actually knocked off the branch or the bud that was was deemed to be really important for the future design of this tree and I was starting to sweat bullets. I went, oh, God, I've told him I'm almost done. Mr. Fujikawa's coming in when he finishes in the next room and he's going to look at this tree and I've gone and knocked off this branch. And I was like, oh, seriously, I was, I was absolutely sweating. I was thinking this is, you know, I've done the worst thing I could possibly do. As soon as he walked in, I went, I'm so sorry, I've knocked that branch off. He looks and goes, oh, doesn't matter. I went, really? And he, could, he couldn't speak English. Bjorn was translating. He said, yeah, he said, it doesn't matter. The design doesn't need it. It's moved on. And you can't change what you can't change. It was like, oh, that's such a cool approach because, you know, when things – and this I use this all the time. And if you've listened to earlier podcasts about, you know, the forced redesigns and when things fall off the bench or whatever it is and or you cut something off by mistake or, you know, branch falls off a tree above it and snaps something off, whatever, well, you – can't change what you can't change so you just need to roll with the punches and keep moving forward you never stop and go well that's it i'm never ever going to get this tree to that point which is what i honest to god was thinking was i've destroyed this tree by this one branch coming off but you know now i look back and i think it's stupid to think and ridiculous to think like that when really the design of the tree keeps evolving and there's there's more beauty than just one branch and if you've got a bonsai that's built around one branch it's probably a pretty pretty weak design from the from the get go anyway. So yeah, so that was a that was a really big one, really big one for me. And also that um, the way the nursery was structured in that they have these um, retractable shade cloths, you know, which you know it was thirty five degrees there and you know one hundred and fifty percent humidity. <laughs> Sweat was just peeling off me. I couldn't get enough water in my body to to keep up with what I was sweating at the time. And they had these retractable shade gloss, which was a great system. I remember taking photos of it and thinking, you know, they've got these wires, they've got these, you know, loops around the shade cloth, and it was just simple. It was easy. It's it's something which every day took them, you know, no more than a couple of minutes to put the shade cloth up. And at night time, when they wanted to let the hot air out and let the cool air in at night, they could retract them and put them back again. So it put in play with me for my own system and my own setup and, and basically everything I do with bonsai, it's got to be easy because if it's easy, you'll do it. Whereas if putting up shade cloth is a 45-minute job, you'd look at the you watch and check the temperature forecast and go, ah, it's not going to be that hot. Might just leave it today. It's only going to be 43 degrees Celsius. Probably doesn't need it. It'll be okay. Whereas if it's something that takes a couple of seconds or a minute to drag it across, put it in place, lock it in, done. You'll do it. You know, you look at your look at the temperature forecast. Oh, it's probably going to crack. You know, low thirties. Yeah, all right, I'll put it up. No problems. Easy. It's a it's a simple job. And at night time, you know, when you want that cool air to come in, you don't want to leave the shade cloth up for six months at a time. So you retract it. You just drag it back, put it tight back, secure it, make sure it's not going to blow around. Another minute, no problems. You'll do it easy. So I got to see that in their in their setup, and it was um it was it was interesting to see that there are definitely easy ways of of doing some of these these common common tasks that we do and anyway so i um i I definitely found a couple of differences with the with the 
the nursery itself and, and my approach was, you know, I was there at the gates waiting for the door to be opened every morning. I'd get there early, you know. I'd, I'd be used to starting about 6.30 in the morning and and I was there and wanted, I was chafing at the bit and I'd ride my bike there and be no one there. The place wouldn't open up till like, you know, 8, 8.30, something like that because it was more of a, I don't know, it just, just didn't feel like it had the 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 push where the living apprentices were sort of twenty four seven with their with their bonsai and to get to five o'clock at night and I'd be told, Yep, that's it, come on, off you go, day's finishing today. So it was a real had a real sort of nine to five feel to it where it wasn't um wasn't the pressure that I'd or not the pressure's probably not the right word, but it wasn't that intensity of um of of twenty four seven bonsai, which was which was nice for a change too, because you know, at night time we get to go out and have a couple of beers and go for dinner somewhere and, and be able to put my feet up and, and, and sort of absorb culture as well as the, the bonsai side of things. So it was, a, it was a, a, like a chalk and cheese visit for me from, from that point of view and getting to see uh, another side to, to Osaka, which I'd never been to before. So being my second learning trip to Japan to absorb bonsai, to be that sponge, and the time in between the my first trip and, and this trip, I'd really put in a lot of time, a lot of hard yards on things. Like I'd really focused heavily on my wiring. I'd really focused heavily on my pruning and and all the little techniques of, you know, wound management and all that stuff. So... I found with this trip, I sort of progressed a lot, a lot quicker to, to different things. And there was one point uh, about a week into the the trip where um, I was I was pushing. I, I remember I remember in my head I was like, you know, the quicker and the more efficiently you work, and the the better you are with it, the less mistakes you make, the more exposure you're going to get. So rather than getting a tree and sitting on a tree for three or four days it was like you know it's three or four hours you know you've got to turn this thing around and not you know not not be disgraceful with it and and give it the respect the tree deserved but just to be in the moment to put on the blinkers and just say my whole focus right now is is nothing more than what is in front of me that's it 100 percent. and i remember at the time i was i was knuckling down you know i'd put myself i was in a separate room to everybody else so there's no chit chat there's no banter and it was just like me and the tree and my tools and the wire and if i had a question about something i'd zip around and say hey quick sorry to interrupt what about this and it'd be a yes no quick or hey whatever and i'd zip back and go right into it so i was i found that i was getting through trees at a, at a pretty good rate which was great and there was this one one day where um, Mr. Fujikawa had to head off to um, uh, to to into Tokyo to deliver some trees and pick up some other trees from one of the one of the auction sites. I was going to go to an auction site and buy buy trees to to bring back to the nursery to to work on to style to to whatever. And um, before he'd left, he um, he'd picked out five trees and put them aside for me. Which when I walked in that day, I remember the the smile nearly cracking ear to ear you know that I was I was worked to a point where you know that sort of 
he trusted me enough or, or was confident enough in me that he could leave a, a range of trees and just sort of go, you know, I'm, I'm away for a couple of days, here's five trees, get into it and and see what you think and, and see what you can do. And it was it was good. It wasn't like, well, here's one tree, there's, you know, you've got two days without me being here before something else comes, we'll sort it out later on. It was like, well, there's five trees. And I, I looked at them, they were all really nice trees, you know. It was a, a little... Uh, Japanese black pine that needed decandling and and needle plucking and a bit of a clean up with some wiring and stuff like that too. There was uh, more junipers, more shimpaku. There was uh, trident maples. You know, there was a nice a nice assortment of of beautiful trees at all different stages that needed different work done that was left one hundred percent up to me to to work on. And it was it was I felt really really good. So, um, like I said, it was it was it was almost like the work I'd done on my own in between and where I'd been pushing myself privately to, to get things right, like my wiring, it was sort of paying paying dividends. It's like anything, I suppose, Any, anything you train for or you work on or you you aspire to be good at, whether it's you know, playing guitar or it's it's running a marathon or whatever, it, there's, there's so much goes into the background, the mundane stuff that we do time and time again to perfect our or hone our skills that really it's it, sooner or later you you get you reap the rewards of of your hard work and that's where honest to god I felt I was was at and it was um it was an it was a nice experience and you know it was I, I was I was still to the point where I'd have something where I wanted to remove a branch or do this or do that I'd go hey this is what I'm thinking or if I wanted to make you know a shari line up a trunk I'd get the chalk out I'd draw the shari line I'd flag the branches I was going to gin and out of respect I'd say hey this is what my design is this is what I'm thinking what do you guys what do you guys think about this and it would be oh yeah that's cool I like this I like that have you thought about that and it would be like oh cool okay go back to the drawing board now what about this yep cool go proceed proceed with with what you had to do so it was um it was really nice and there was there was you know, one point where I'd worked on this, this shimpaku and I'd worked on it for quite a long time. I put a lot of effort into it, making the shari line and gins and wiring and pruning and styling. And, you know, I'd show it to to one of the apprentices, Marcus and and he was really impressed. It was really nice. And so it was, it, I loved moments like that. And I, I try and, I do definitely do that where respect is or where, where someone works really hard on something. It doesn't matter whether they're just a beginner or they're, you know, they're just at the real pointy end of, of where they are with their bonsai that, you know, you give them a bit of a pat on the back along the way and say, you know what, that's, that's really good. That's, that's, uh, that's what you've done there. That That's, that's nice. That's really good work. And I think that being positive and that's what I picked up from this trip too, was that, um, not, not that I hadn't had it before, but my skills were at a point now where, you know, you could sort of get that, that, that proud moment and you can, you can use it. And I think being positive and hopefully it comes across in this podcast, but hundred percent of everything I do with bonsai is, is positive because I think you're going to get a far better development of any individual that, that loves bonsai by being positive with them than being negative. You know, anyone can look down their snout and be be nasty and say horrible things and, and knock the wind out of someone's sails. But I think it takes real guts and real courage to to pick a positive in something and say, you know what, it, don't worry about these parts. Look at this. Look at what you've done. Don't worry that you've knocked off that one branch that I said you had to save. 
that it's going to destroy the design if it's gone because look at the positive part of what you've done. And that's that's what I picked up across this whole nursery and everyone that was there was this positivity with things that, you know, that everyone has a laugh and everyone has a joke and, you know, there's, there's a bit of ridicule here and there. But but overall, it's a really positive experience that that sort of drives everyone to, to get better and it's from from one positive building block comes a second and then comes a third and comes another and another and another. And sooner or later, your skill set keeps getting better and better because you take that positive, you work on the negatives to make them become a positive also and you keep you keep building what you've got to get this repertoire of, of bonsai skills that then translates into the design side of your bonsai. So... I say with bonsai, there's two sides. There's a horticultural side and there's a design side. Horticultural is is definitely involves skill. Like it definitely involves a lot of knowledge and a lot of skill in how we do things. And then there's the design side is is our bonsai technique. You know that's where that's where it comes to the fore. Good wiring or good pruning practices or you know maintenance of of wounds, anything, all that stuff, all the all the design components all come from really high end use of skills and. That's what I. That that was one of the main things that I'd I'd sort of picked up on, the first, the first part of the of the design, at this, on my time with with the guys at, at Coco Inn. and and like I said, it's something that sticks with me, every single day. So as I was getting closer to the end of the the trip, the like I said the the focus from 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 Mr. Fujikawa and everyone else that worked there with me was was more independence. So I was getting more free will on things and then I got given a, a beautiful shimpaku that um, needed work, needed styling. It was still in a, in a terracotta clay pot. So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a bonsai that needed just refinement. It actually needed to be made into a bonsai from, from a nice sort of nice nice base, a really nice base. And I got given this tree and I got told, think about it, sit there and look at this tree and come up with a plan. And when I was ready with my plan, then to have a chat to Mr. Fujikawa and Bjorn. And then once the plan was signed off, I could proceed with the work. But I couldn't do anything until I'd come up with a plan, which was really good too. I really enjoyed that process in that making me stop and think. And rather than, you know, I'd been on this this, this bender, this tear that I, I just wanted to get trees done quickly as I could, but this was like an this was like a stop moment. This was okay, this is really important. You've got some raw material now that you need to make some serious decisions on and you you need to focus on it. You need to think about it. You don't jump straight into these things because it's bloody hard to put it back on once you've cut it off. And you might you know, you can further refine design, of course you can, but this first styling is really important. And and so I took that to heart. I really sat there and I thought and thought and thought and I sketched out a plan and I'd mark branches to gin and you know and and it was like a, a true test. I got told it was a it was a test of where, what I'd learnt, what my vision was, this flow, the 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 design intent that I had, my technique was gonna get get looked at closely as well, and it was really something that I had to show who Scott Martin was, you know, what was what was it that that you know you could you could bring to the table and and so I like I said I, I I looked at that very very seriously and you know I I learned lots of different things about designing an apex of a tree where 
you know, the apex sort of comes down over the front to cover the, the neck of the tree. So as a trunk line comes up and rather than showing the trunk all the way to the very tip of the tree, you, the apex starts to cover that over. And again, that's something that I run with every single day now when I work on my bonsai, stuff that I learnt back in 2013 about design intent in, in Osaka, I still I still use now and I still talk about with with my students and customers that when I work on trees for them or when I'm I'm doing training or they're in workshops or whatever it is that I do, that you know something like that that was passed on to me that I found really super important is something that I, I pass down the line as well, saying, hey, have you thought about this? This is the technique and this is how we do it and this is why it's important. Look at my designs and your tree, your bonsai could follow along that sort of a path as well. So anyway. Got to give you this tree, had to come up with a plan, had to had to seriously think about it and had to present it and did that and sat down with Mr. Fujikawa and Bjorn and said, hey, listen, this is what I see. This is my vision. This is my plan. This is where I'd like this tree to go. Mr. Fujikawa takes the tree, spins it around on the table, has a look at it, sits back, folds his arms, smokes his cigarette as he's leaning back, has another look and he goes, yep, good. He agreed. He said, go for it. So he said, you know, it's it, it was really up to me. The So the base styling is what was signed off on. And he said the rest of it is up to you. So that's the, that's the skill, that's the wiring and whatever else and the technique that you use to get there. So I took my time. I really did. I sat there and I, I worked on it for probably a day and got it um, – to a point where I was really happy. So I started with um, branch removal, gin creation, creating the shari first, then going through doing a bit of a prune up on the uh, the branch structure, clearing the underneath stuff, which is the same process as what I use now when I'm creating junipers, creating any bonsai, and then started the wiring process. And it took me a day and a half to work on this tree, and I really put everything that I had into it, and I made it look look as good as I possibly could with the material and when I compared the sketch that I'd made at the start to the finished product that I was looking at in front of me I was really happy I was really again it was a really proud moment where I looked at it and went you know what you've done a pretty good job and before I called anyone to to come in and have a look at it ran through the design and the technique that was used and said is there anything that you can improve is there any part of this that you can fix? Is there anything that you can do? So I looked at branches where I'd, you know, been a bit sloppy with some wiring. Yep, okay, fix that. Go in, make it perfect. So I did that a couple of times on different branches, looked at the pruning, yeah, prune this part. It really got it as finessed as I possibly could to the point that I went, you know what, that's that's me. That That is what I've learned. In my, my short time doing bonsai, you know, picking up all the pieces of the puzzle that I'd learned in Asaka, but also what I'd learned the year before in, in RTN, plus everything else I had along the way, this is it. This is the culmination of everything that I can do up to that point. And I was really happy. And it's it's hard. I remember being terrified to to bring in these bonsai professionals that I admired greatly and still do to this day. You know, Bjorn's one of the, the by far the best bonsai practitioners and artists anywhere in the world, hands down. And I think he I think he will continue to be for the rest of his life. <laughs> And Mr. Fujikawa, you know, the experience that he's got with his nursery and what he's seen and what he's done, it's, you know, it's, it doesn't pile into insignificance when I when I think about that I've got to present this this tree to them that I've I've put the first fingerprint on to turn into a bonsai. And so yeah, I was I'll be honest, I was 
I was terrified and I was I was panicking. I was like, you know, is this is this it? And then I found myself going over the tree again and again and again. I was like, stop. You know, they're not here. They're positive. They're not here to be negative to you. Otherwise, you wouldn't be doing this experience. So, take on board whatever whatever negatives come out of this. Take them on board and focus on them. Try and improve. You know, it's the one percent as it's those little things that we can improve. So, I went around the corner to the next room and said, "Yep, I'm I'm ready. I think I'm ready. Let's uh, let's do this. Let's uh, let's tear the bandaid off and get this over and done with. Come on, come and come and see what I've done." And Mister Fujikawa comes in. Has a look, walks around, took his time, didn't say anything. It felt like hours went by. It was just a couple of minutes. He's looking at the tree, picking it up, studying it, looking under the branches, looking at the wiring, looking for any little detail, holding it back, spinning it around, sat down, looked at it, waited, got up, walked over, picked it up, holding it, saying nothing, nothing to anyone. Then he just turns around at me smiling. And in English, he says, very nice. And I mean, <laughs> you just made my day, man. <laughs> That's the best thing he probably could have ever said. And I said, okay, what needs to change? And he spoke to Bjorn and said, no, there's nothing. That's it. He's really happy with what you've done. You've done a great job. Looks really nice. Looks really sharp. Looks really clean. Technique's good. It's great. That's a good first step. And I was like, oh, wow. That's, um, yeah. yeah, I was, and I, I read my notes. And I just wrote in there one happy Vegemite. I was I was really 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 happy that um, I'd uh, I'd been given the the tick on that one because I, I just felt like I'd put so much into it. When I look back on it now and I look at the photos, yeah, definitely there's things I change and there's things I've learned since then. But up until that point, and I think that's the point that I'm trying to make is that we all get to a point where we're we're ecstatic where we hit our our peak, but then there's still more to learn. There's still there's still further to go with your your skills and and it might be the, the tiny refinements that we can make to make it better, but there's always something and, you know, we never stop learning and learning is one of those things that till the day we're put in a, a timber box you know, to become worm food, we, we, we keep progressing and we keep learning and you should never, never stop your focus being being that there's always more to learn. You know, never, never close your mind to anything and, yeah, I was that day taking taking nothing away from it, I'd, I'd I felt like I'd really started to achieve things and really started pro- to progress, and and it was around that point that um, yeah that that bonsai matsu, what I am here today, really started to take shape. In that you know this is you, you're starting to get it. You know the the pieces of the puzzle are starting to come together now, and you know you're, you're getting to a point where you can you can take this and you can refine it even further, and you know you you don't mimic. When you learn, you take it on board and you start to develop your own style and your own approach to things and that's because we're all individuals and unique and I um, I really I really look back on that trip so favourably in Osaka as to the positivity of, of people's approach to someone who's a sponge, who's trying to learn and how you can embrace that and take that forward and, and use it as a springboard far more than what you can if someone has scolded you or, or dragged you down to to a to a point where, you know, humiliation is not gonna achieve anything by someone throwing in their scissors going, Well that's it. It's no good no good for me. I'm I'm on to something else. So went out um I also went out that night for uh for a Japanese barbecue and beer with, with some of the fellas from the nursery and it was uh, it was yeah, it was one of those experiences that I don't think I'll ever ever forget in my uh 
in my life. So then after that, got given a last tree for the for the stay. Got told, you know, here's a beautiful white pine. No instruction, no guidance, no pre-planning needed. It's your last tree. Show us what you've got. You know, this is 100% up to you. There's no sign-off. There's nothing. And it was really good for me because by that stage, you know, I was on cloud nine. I was, I was buzzing. I was I was ready. I was like, "Yep, cool, done. I'm re- I'm at the next level. I, I I mentally feel like I am ready to tear this thing to shreds because I have confidence in in my approach and my my skill and my ability that I can I can see a bonsai in this, and I don't need someone else to to show me anymore. I I, I can do it. And and that was the that was the case. You know, it was um I, I learned I learned about pad refinement from from that one as well. But you know, structural. Uh, selection and wiring technique and and all that stuff it was it was good and it was it was really nice and again there was a final sign off and presentation of the tree and it was right at the very end and mr fujikawa said you know translated that is he was happy he was really impressed with what i'd done during my stay and and the standard that from where i started to where i am now in that short period of time that you know He'd be uh, he'd be happy for me to be his apprentice. I don't have I could be a Japanese apprentice because these guys these guys really put their heart and soul into it and and I I I, I think that they're brilliant for what they do. But I don't think that I could do it. And it was tongue in cheek anyway. So I took it for what it was, and I was really happy with what I'd achieved. Bought a swag of pots and loaded up my bike and and zipped off back to um, back to my room to start packing for the. For the for the trip home, which was yeah, I was like I said, I, I couldn't have been happier with the trip, with the stay, with the people, with the place, with the quality, with what I'd learnt. It was it was spectacular, to be honest. It was um, it was a it was, like I said, it was one of these things that I, I don't know. There's not many people I know that that get the chance to immerse themselves at, at different Japanese bonsai nurseries to to purely learn learn bonsai and that exposure to different techniques and and methodologies and approaches and outcomes is is unique it's rare and and I, I absorbed it on the I remember on the plane on the way home just sitting back thinking you know well I've only got 18 hours of flying ahead of me I might as well might as well reminisce on the trip and and it was it was seen as really really unique and I was so grateful to my family for allowing me to do it and and what I could gather out of that, and and that focus to become what I am now with with bonsai, and passing on the the love and the passion and the positivity is um is you know I'm really grateful, really really grateful. So yeah, it was an, an amazing trip. So if you're ever in Osaka, and you can get to Kokoen, it's it's a brilliant nursery. It's it's purely one of the best, and they're they're lovely people that are there and. I, uh, I will uh, I will forever be indebted to to what I learned in my short stay there. Lately, I've been doing a lot of uh, pruning and clean up on junipers, and the um, there was one part that. I wrote a note about for this podcast, and I've titled it "Would Look Better Without That," <laughs> because it was there's this one one juniper that I've had for a long time, a little one, squat little one, and it had um, a nice sort of very low branch to the right hand side, which I I know why I kept it in the first place because it was a nice filler, and it gave me a fuller fuller tree, 
So the smaller the tree, the more branches you have down lower because that's, um, uh, that's where they need it. So having a long, thin trunk on a squat showing small tree um, you know, doesn't, doesn't look the best when there's, there's not many low-down branches. So I kept this long branch. And as the tree had evolved and there was backbutting and things got a lot more compressed and the, the structure matured, started to fill in and become what it should have been originally from the original styling, this long branch on the right-hand side, lowest part of the tree, sort of started to look like it was too long. And if I was honest with myself, it was like, you know, you're artificially bending this thing to sort of fill in that area where when you put your hand over it, you know, your your directional flow of the tree, the movement of the tree could then go to the left side because your first branch, my first branch on this tree would then be on the left side. So by reshaping the apex so it was sort of more moving towards the left-hand side, it would create like a nice sort of counterbalance and the the first branch would then be in a more appropriate position and it wouldn't be this long stretched out branch. So it got me thinking and I said to myself loudly in my workshop, would it look better without that? And I thought, it's a question we should all ask ourselves when it comes to our bonsai. You know, it's, it's, it's really hard to put something back on once you've cut it off. So take your time. Don't rush it and don't, don't say, hey, Scott said on the podcast it would be better without it, cut it off. But I think that more often than not, you can have a bonsai that's designed and structured. I see it a lot in my workshops where you get to the point where you're almost paralysed to make the decision to cut it off and the longer something's been there on the tree, the more attached you become to it and the harder it becomes to remove it. So, you know, this question does look better without it. Maybe putting my hand over it and again getting a, uh, a cloth, a white cloth, and putting it over the branch and looking at, you know, I knew in hearts of heart, heart of hearts, that if it was a customer's tree, it would have been gone within the first two seconds of being on the branch on the on the bench because that branch looked out of place. It looked artificial and it looked contrived. It didn't look like it fit with the structure of the bonsai. So, yeah, sure, definitely, definitely would look better without it. But in my own mind, because it's one of my trees that I've worked on for such a long time, that you know, I've got an in, I'm invested in. I'm, I'm I'm giving love to this thing every single day of the year that I just have to make sure in my own mind that it's the right thing to do structurally for the tree. So so asking yourself that question, does it look better without it and taking your time and, and you know, using a computer program to maybe take it and etch it out of the design, you know, make sure that you've got everything right. But I guarantee you making those tough decisions is what takes your bonsai to the next level. Don't go and strip off all the branches on the tree and just make a bucket load of gins because that's not the not the point. But I think that when you're going through that design process and you look at something and go, would it look better without it? You know, luckily there's someone like me at the other end of the text message or the, the, the message to, to look at it and say, yeah, my two cents is yes, no, whatever. But just think about it from your own point of view that if you've got doubts about something, go through the process, put your hand over it, cover it up, etch it out in a computer program, does it look better? If it does, then, hey, take the risk, take the gamble, remove it, restructure the bonsai, re, you know, redesign the, the flow of the tree to better suit what you've got left on the left on the, on the the tree and take a risk. You know, if it, looks, if it looks crappy, if it's poor design, if it's not good bonsai, then, then make the change. So anyway, 
that's my two cents with uh, with that one that I came across when I've been doing exactly the same thing with my bonsai. So that um, that wraps up this this podcast. Thank you as always. Love it. Stay in touch. Um, any of the socials, best way to get me through Instagram or Facebook is probably the easiest ones to make sure they get directly through to me. You can get me on email with scott at bonsaimatsu.com. I'm always on the other end, always willing to to give my two cents worth. And I, uh, I'm i grateful to, to every single person listening to this podcast. I appreciate your input. I appreciate your feedback. And I appreciate you just giving me your time. As I said, it's the most valuable asset I can get from you guys, and hopefully, I keep you in you know enthusiastic and involved with your bonsai, and keep you pushing to that next level, and keep striving and and working on where you are now. It's like your bonsai, where your skill set is now, it can always get better. Same as your bonsai can, same as all of our bonsai can, and all of our skills can get better over time as well. So keep pushing, keep learning, keep um, keep striving for perfection, and and just. Be grateful that you'll never achieve it because there's always something else to learn, something else to refine in your skill set. So take care, enjoy your bonsai and um, keep on loving them, keep on giving them water, feed them if they need feeding and and look out for pests. And Until next time, happy bonsai, eh?